There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Political Party. This is episode four of a special daily election series on Thursday the 14th of November and features Gloria De Piero. She's been the Labour MP for Ashfield since 2010, but she's not standing this time. I've got to tell you, I mean, I love all the guests we have on this show, but occasionally you speak to someone who has a completely different voice and talks about politics in a completely different way. And there's something about the way some people speak that grabs your attention more. And Gloria is one of those people. And, oh, it was very hard not to feel quite emotional towards the end of this interview for someone who is standing down, who, I mean, nine years is a decent career in in, uh, elected politics, but I really get the sense that she's got so much more to do. And maybe she can achieve those things outside of politics. But we talk about the specific nature of her seat, the specific pressures in that part of the country, these former coalfield areas where the seat has experienced Lib Dem and Tory surges, as well as being able to cling on to that traditionally Labour seat. This this will have you on the edge of your seat throughout. And you just realise that so much of what we consume in politics is from the front bench. And I know I've said this a few times, but there is so much talent in Parliament and in politics away from the front bench. And it is a tragedy that we haven't heard more from Gloria De Piero in those last nine years. So enjoy this amazing, frank conversation with someone who really, if if there was any justice in modern politics at the moment, would have been a far more prominent figure. Um, And what's amazing, well, I don't want to ruin anything, but it's just superb. Enjoy. I'm delighted today to be joined by Gloria De Piero, former star of GMTV, MP for Ashfield since 2010, and sadly standing down at this election. Gloria, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You're uh, obviously a, a fascinating politician. And, and before we get into your career and your politics, in terms of the seat you represented in Ashfield, you won it in 2010 with a majority of just 192 after a huge swing from Labour to the Lib Dems. It was Jeff Hoon's old mm. seat. Then in the in the 2015 election, you win it with a thumping majority of nearly 9,000. And then in the 2017 election, the Tories then cut your majority down to 441. What on earth is going on in Ashfield? Well, you'll have to come up and see. Um, how can I explain um, the, the difference in those results? There was in 2010 an anti-Labour vote and that coalesced around, they're not all sort of liberal, they're definitely not liberal Democrats, how we traditionally think of liberal Democrats. There's no Sanzels. I think you'd struggle to find a vegan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I, what I mean? So that was that was an attempt, which happened in other areas, actually, Chesterfield, um, the time before. Yes, that's right. It was right. an attempt in some coalfield communities to go to figure out how what is the best way to beat Labour here. And that is why they went liberal Democrat in 2010. 
but not quite because I won with 192. <laughs> God bless every one of them. <laughs> then, of course, the Liberal Democrats uh, collapsed um, in 2015. Um, so there was a bit of churn, but yeah, I got a great majority, nearly 9,000. Then <laughs> we had 2017. Um, and the voters had worked out that the best way to vote to beat Labour that time was to vote Conservative. Uh, they didn't quite do it. Um, what's it like this time? Because I'm still campaigning um, for Labour. It's quite fun to do as a volunteer. Well, I mean, I say fun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Without the stress of not of, of knowing that I'm not in that count and I've had some, you know, tense counts. Um, oh. um, but it's it's very like 2017 in one way. There's very little inter-party switching. Okay. The difference from 2017 is the number of people of Labour and Conservative who are saying, I don't know or I'm not going to bother. I've just had enough of the lot of you. I mean, what's amazing about Ashfield is, for people who don't know it, it's North Nottinghamshire, borders Mansfield, it is, you know... Coalfield, yeah. Coalfield area, epicentre of the miners' strike. A lot of long memories there about that period. Yeah. Obviously, the Tories won Mansfield last time for the first Mm. time in their history. Mm. Ashfield's just next door. Do you get a sense that the Tories are... Or not so much that the Tories are targeting those places, because obviously Mm, they are... But is it a sense that even people who remember the miners' strike who've been mm. Labour all their lives are, mm. are finally prepared to vote Tory? And what is making them do that? You know, it pains me actually to see where the battlefields are in this election. It pains me because they are seats which, which the Labour Party has represented for like a century. They are called Labour heartlands because yes. they are the places of our heart. They are the places why we were founded. They're, that they represent the people um, why the Labour Party was founded. So, yeah, absolutely. After 2017, when there were swings to the Tories in most of those areas, I think pretty much all of them, actually, those post-industrial towns and coalfield communities, and that, it hurts when you see... Of course you're delighted when Canterbury and um, Kensington go red. Of course you are, but it's painful for former coalfield communities like North East Derbyshire, like Mansfield, like uh, Stoke, going blue. And I, as soon as that election had happened, actually, I, I mean, I think we should have been in those communities finding out there should have been a, a bigger programme of work because you can't find out what the problem is. And it is clearly a problem with those demographics. Unless you're really you're prepared to take to, to, to take the the truth actually and sort it out. And is it just about Brexit or is it about Brexit? Is it about leadership? We had Greg Cook in here yesterday. You mm. remember, you know, Labour's head of political yeah. strategy, Mystic Greg, and he was saying that Brexit is a um, is a symptom really of a of a wider malaise with well, the white working th- class yes, and other groups. I think it's been coming coming for a while actually. So when I was knocking on doors in 2010. Remember, I'd li- I, I grew up in Bradford, um, but I had worked in the London media for more than a decade. The MSM. Yeah. The London-based <laughs> Westminster media. But, um, yeah, so obviously, like, just... You start talking about different things when you're in that London media bubble. <laughs> you don't realise you're doing it, in fact, until you get out of that London media bubble. And I remember going up to 
uh, knock on doors getting selected in Ashfield and going, whoosh, this conversation is totally different. So it's not this story now, but then they were... They thought there was too much... Uh, freedom of movement yeah. was an issue. They thought the benefit system was too generous. Um, all things that we weren't really talking about in London. So, and, and I think there has been... That there's been a break coming for some time. Brexit is probably the sort of... Well, it has to not be the tin lid, but it has amplified that break with our traditional um, voters, which has been in the post for a long time and really has to be stopped. In terms of... Because Ashfield is 70% Leave, you voted Remain. Yeah. How difficult was that as a Labour MP for a Leave voting area to try and keep... to try and hold that together? Well, I respected the results straight away and actually I was quite pleased with the 2017 um, manifesto that we were all elected on, which said that we respected the result. And... I've been quite vocal about respecting the results. Yes. Because I'd never intended to be so vocal. Because I think... Because <laughs> it it's taken up a lot of my time and energy over the last couple of years. And I think that it sort of happened by accident. Because after that referendum, a few people... Sensible people, actually. Not in my constituency. In Parliament or, you know, people that I knew through the media... Um said, oh, I think we should have a second referendum. And I said, oh, it's a bloody ridiculous. <laughs> and I just thought, that's like a niche, weird argument, right? We didn't like that. Let's do it again. Let's put the country through that hell again. Um, and th my sort of, don't be so bloody ridiculous to a few people, that few people, then it became the received wisdom and I found that very difficult. Mm. I found it really, really difficult because, to me, the first principle of being left-wing, a socialist, progressive, whatever you want to say, is that you respect democracy. And so I always thought, get the softest possible Brexit. Um, and, you know, there's nothing to say. If this doesn't work out, there's nothing to say we can't go back and in future if people want it. But you have to let this stand. Um, so... And do you think that cut through? Did the voters of Ashfield understand? Well, no, no. So the, what was he like? So I think I, I have been a Brexit bore for the last <laughs> two years. I think I've been touring studios like this, going respect the result, respect the result, respect the result. Up in Ashfield, um, they basically think I'm like Chuka Ramona or Joe Swinson. <laughs> and then I come down to Parliament and my colleagues look at me like I'm Nigel Farage. And that tells you all you need to know about the Gulf between Westminster and Ashfield. Oh, man. I mean, it's so... It's such a hard position to square. I mean, I wonder if if you, say, represented a seat that was the other way around, 70% remain leave, well, no, would that have been different for well, you? Well, no, and I could never get my head around this argument because, for example, if the result had been 52% remain, but Ashfield had voted 70% leave still... I wouldn't have gone, well, my because that's the logic of that argument. Hang on, my constituency voted 70% leave. And so we have to ignore that 52% remain vote. We'll have to do it again. It's bananas. So I would have gone, I would have said, right, so the referendum has um, voted to remain, which I really wanted it to, but there are some issues 
that we need to resolve when we when we're we're still in Europe, and um, you know we need to sort of talk about freedom of movement and how that's impacting on our roads or whatever. So I would have expected if if for those colleagues from Remain seats to go, okay, we've left, but hang on, there's a, there's some things here, whatever that might be, that we need that that actually my constituents hold dear. So in that process of leaving, we have to have them in. You want to bring both together, of course. Yeah. Um, just in terms of Ashfield and what votes mm. in Ashfield won, um, one of the logics of, you know, or, or apparent logics of Jeremy Corbyn being leader was that this is a guy who's really left wing and will appeal, will, will revive Labour's fortunes in places like Scotland and Ashfield and those heartlands. Mm. It feels as if, though, that's where he's least popular. I mean, how, yeah. how do traditional Labour voters in Ashfield view the current Labour leadership? Well, we lost... Well, this is the point about inter-party... The lack of inter-party switching. So we lost a lot in 2017. But in the main, those 2017 Labour voters are staying. Okay. But those ones that we lost in 2017 are not coming back. So the damage has been done. Yeah. And this is the sort of... This is why... I mean, I'm nervous about making predictions. But given... Listen, I can't com- confidently predict what's going to happen in Ashfield, but I tell you this, a 4-4-1 majority, and we are in the game. Yes. So when I hear about Workington, that they've so I, I looked at the majority and I think it's, yeah. it's over 4,000, so 10 times bigger. Than, yeah. So I'm not seeing how this Boris Johnson, if I, can't, if, if I think Labour's still in the game in Ashfield... Yes. Workington, 10 times that majority. I mean, it's... I think for the birds, unless something very drastic is going to happen. Um, a former radio's Lee Anderson is now running for the Tories. <laughs> oh, he's so funny. He's not, <laughs> isn't he? he's a, <laughs> is he a former aide or is that media spin? Um, it was my caseworker. Okay, so um, yeah, that. he. Um, oh God, I don't want to, you know. So he. <laughs> what can I say? I, d- I never slag people off. I just don't do it. Like you know, Lee. Has been a member. He's he's in his fifties, and he joined the Labour Party at sixteen. And he was a striking miner. You work out whether he's a Tory. I don't know. I might have done a bit more due diligence if I was uh, doing the selection process there. Do you know what I mean? You know, he got cross with momentum and uh, arguing with people, and didn't like Jeremy. And I think it all got a bit out of control. But you know, (laughs) he's a Tory now. (laughs) Um, You know. Just in terms of the elections you studied then, and there's, there's yeah. two majorities that, you know, there's wafer yeah. thin, really, um, but nevertheless victories. I presume you had recounts in both of those. Yeah. Oh, God. By the way, when you see a recount, it never changes, just to, so you know. <laughs> it just keeps the candidate there for another hour. But for those people who are lucky enough to be looking at home going, oh, is it going to change? It never does. Um, so... Um, that's just painful. But, you know, I suppose if it had been the other way. So the the, ca- the recounts are never requested by me, obviously. <laughs> Those recounts, yes. they're requested by Liberal Democrats in 2010 and, and, and Tories uh, last time. But it, does, it doesn't change. They're very thorough. You know, anyone that's been to account, oh, you know, well, they know yeah. what they're doing. Um, so I think they just feel it's sort of like, maybe... Maybe they missed a bundle for me somewhere. Or they've Please, wrongly bundled it. it. You know, yeah, that was always the one. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. But yeah, those. So you know you've won before they start the recounts. I mean, obviously, there's a bit of you thinking, oh my God, they're not going to find a bundle. But they don't. But on the <laughs> night, you know, when you're doing your, your sampling. Uh, yeah. To, to oh listeners gosh. who haven't been to an yeah. election count, this is yeah. when, when they first tip out the boxes. Yeah. 
any volunteers there from any party really are meant to try and see how many ballot just try yeah, and count as yeah. many yeah, 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 on yeah, a crib yeah. sheet of any party that yes. you can find yes. that you might be able to see yeah, 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 it's literally can. that before the and meeting starts separating just so that you can ring the regional office and let yeah. the party know yeah. whether this is a lot yeah. I mean when you're talking you know of an electorate of 70 to 80,000 and there's only a couple of hundred in it yeah. at that point I mean there must be points in the night yeah. where you think you're behind you lost yeah I, yeah both of those counts 2010 and 2017 I thought I'd lost at various points that night. What was really annoying about 2017 is, to be honest, I went into that election not for one minute thinking I was going to be elected. It was bad on the doorsteps. Wow. Not for one minute. Um, but I thought it was like that everywhere. Um, I mean, I just assume, oh. right? Um, so, uh, but then Jonathan Ashworth, my friend, yeah. he came up... Um, a few times because he's my mate and he came a few times but he's been going around the country and he, and he came the first time and went oh, God, this is really awful here I'm just telling you because I've been to other places this is bad like the worst Whoa. and then um, he came back like a, about a week away from polling day and he went and he knocked on the door he went right I've been like back to places which were awful but they're not that awful now, but it's still awful here. So, <laughs> so I, anyway, so I knew it was awful. I mean, I, you know, it was awful. I just had the same conversation, go, you know, every, on every doorstep. You don't want a Tory MP or keep me as the Labour MP for Ashfield. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, so then that exit poll comes out yeah. and you're like, oh no, it's just me. <laughs> then you go, oh no, that's embarrassing. Take it very yeah, personally. You're like, oh no, you know, you're happy that, you know, you were wrong. But then you're like, actually, I'm not wrong here. So, <laughs> oh no, how embarrassing. There's going to be like loads of Labour MPs elected. <laughs> like their majority is going to go up and it's just little old me that's going. But hey, I survived the near-death experience, the second one. Well, it's nearly a decade in Parliament. Does it feel sad to be leaving? No. Um, I never wanted to do it for... I never wanted to be carried out in a box, as the sort of yeah. proverbial saying goes. I always thought about 10 years was about the right time because you have to give it, if you're doing it properly, it's a 100% job. It's losing the evenings, it's losing weekends. It's been a less good daughter, a less good friend, a less good wife. Um, So I did it, I gave it 100%. And I just thought, 
I don't think I would be able to give it a hundred percent if I if I did it again. And I and that then my constituents serve a hundred percent. So it's time. You've been a Labour MP throughout a fascinating time oh in the party's gosh. history. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you joined in the in the defeat of 2010, only having served in opposition. Yeah, it's, that's, it's so sad. I know, I don't want to be too bleak about it. I mean, you were, you were part of the shadow ministerial resignations in, mm. in 2016. Don't that, if that was the right thing to do. Really? Mm. Why not? I mean, t- what was the point? Well, you were yeah, At the time, yeah. I was like, what is the point? What, but I saw, but all sensible people were saying there is a point, and I was like, okay. It was very quick, by the way. This, so you weren't sort of thinking. Um, but the point that was rationally. obviously to try and yeah get yeah. rid of the leadership and then hopefully yeah. change the direction. But did yeah. you think was that it went that well? Was it, well <laughs> yeah, but was it that you didn't agree well, with removing Jeremy Corbyn, or you didn't think the resignations would actually get rid of him? Well, I didn't think through uh, through it in that level of detail, but with hindsight. It was a stupid thing to do. I wrote to um, my resignation letter, said to Jeremy, look, I just don't, the reason I'm going is I just don't think you'll ever win. Yeah. I think he might. And so, and nobody will be happier than me to eat my words on that. I just want a Labour government. Just, you know, just the same tedious, boring answer. I just want a Labour government. I didn't think he could deliver it. And now I think he might. Um and so you were never just... you were never tempted to join the independent group? Oh God, no! Now I'm Labour. <laughs> no, we... that went well as well, didn't it? Um, I was really worried about that. I thought there might be an appetite for it, but actually, it's pretty much two party politics, you know. And I speak to people in Remain areas, and for whatever the Liberal Democrats say publicly, they say, "Yeah, it feels very 2017 in their areas as well." Um, so, got a choice at this election. You know, Labour or Tory, same choice. There's only one answer for me, and I'll be working hard for it. And did did anyone ever talk to you? Did people say, oh, "Come on, Gloria, join no. the independent group"? No, no, no. I've got, no. I was never part of. I'm sure I was never. I think there were WhatsApp groups, but I was never in those <laughs> WhatsApp groups. Um, but it was really stressful that time. It must and have it was been. very, and because that was the start of the um, the finger jabbing and the abuse. And that you're not really Labour from people that, frankly, have just joined the Labour Party. Um, and it was horrible. It was um, because I don't do my politics in a you're wrong, I'm right. I'm very happy to take a different opinion to people, but I sort of think that you're an adult and you treat people with different opinions and you hear them out and, and say, oh, I don't agree with that and this is why. But yes, the sort of the traitor the Tory, the you're not really Labour. It was disgusting. Disgusting. And that comes from? Some within. Yeah. Not very my, never in my party. <laughs> but, yeah, largely on social media. But it's disgusting. you Because it's an attack on your soul. Yes. Because, you know, the, the Labour Party is my... Is the love of my life, for good or ill. <laughs> Don't tell my husband. Um, but... Um, but you know yeah, what? and how dare people say I'm not? Like, I'm a Tory. It's like it's it's, a, it's an attack on your very being, and it repulsed me. And those people should have been ashamed of themselves. You know what? It's it's so powerful hearing you say that because to a lot of people it might not seem like that big a deal, but there's been a real attempt, I think, culturally in the last four or five years across UK politics to rob people of who they are. 
and yes. whether it was yeah. and we saw it in the independence referendum people being told yeah. that they weren't Scottish yeah. if they yeah. wanted to stay yeah. in the UK that was... and that was where the red Tory stuff I first saw it from elements of the independence movement and then with momentum and things people calling you a Tory and I had I had a mate who recently um, and it's no secret where my politics lie but um, I had a mate who always used to call me a Tory in disguise and it always wound me up yeah. because I was like I'm the only one in this conversation who's worked for the Labour Party I joined it when I was 15 yeah. and I always say that to people I actually gave my life to that yeah. movement I feel slightly differently about it now but you know were it to return to where it was when I was yeah. working for it I would absolutely be supporting it um, and now he gets it from his mates and he was like I'm so sorry right. he yeah. was like I had no idea how much it hurt it's horrible it's like it's someone it's telling really... you you're not who you say you are you're basically being called like a fraud it's, it's, it's fundamental painful. and it's it not that painful. being a Tory is a bad thing that's not the point it's just <laughs> no. that yeah. you're not one yeah yeah, and how dare you? And it really matters to you one. to be Labour. Those values are who you are. It's not just like saying, "Oh, I prefer porridge no, to cocoa no. pops." <laughs> this is like, yeah. and that is important, by the way. <laughs> um, and it depends what mood I'm in. But it, it is—it's fundamental to people. You're robbing. You're saying you're not really Gloria De Piero. Yeah. yeah, it's poison and it's nasty. And it, it, it hurt. And is that just? No, I get it from Brexit, by the way. So <laughs> oh, then we got no. through. We saw some of no. that Labour Party civil war. It's, you know, the Labour Party is certainly more united than it was during that uh, period. But then we go into a Brexit sort of civil war where my Labour values are questioned again. And that... Who by this time? Um, people who, like me, voted to remain. Oh, so it's so Remainers because, in the Labour Party. So and, and not in the Labour Party. Okay. Just re- people who are very... That's quite a fundamentalist movement as well. Um, and it's actually, I mean, it's quite extreme position held by, you know, lots of sensible people <laughs> to say, let's do it again, didn't count. And um, so when I stood up against that, but yeah, that hurt as well. I mean, not less so perhaps, because I just thought, this bananas, I'm holding firm on this. I mean, you're someone who could have been, there is a, there, obviously the, Leadership of Jeremy Corbyn is probably the, the crucial change, really, in terms of your career. Mm. But you're someone who, coming in 2010, you've got, you know, so many things going for you, and you would have been seen as a future leader of the Labour Party. I'd have been rubbish, so I would... <laughs> <laughs> but that hasn't stopped other people. <laughs> no, I that know. That seems to be a qualification. Do you know what? I've, um, when I look back, actually, I actually wished, w- wish I hadn't have gone onto the front bench. And I knew that as soon as I was elected in May and in October, I was on the front bench, and wow. I was pretty much on the front bench till a few months ago, really. And I wish I hadn't been, because that's not why I wanted to be an MP. This is sounds really tedious, but it happens to be the truth. I wanted because I've been on the me, you know, I'd been in the London media. I wanted to do something fulfilling. I really wanted to be a constituency MP and to learn from my constituents and to work for them and and to run campaigns which they had told me about. And I think it might have been. A happier experience if I if I'd said no to those front bench positions. But the difficulty is, of course, because you know I, I'm human, and the reason perhaps that I didn't say that, and why this irks other people, this dilemma. There'll be other people who who um who feel like that too. But when you see your friends getting promoted, you go, oh, "Gosh, should I be?" That's not a good reason. I did it as well. It's like, oh, well, I'll have to, because, like, what What if I don't? It's really... So anybody who listens to this who's coming in next time, 
think about it because you have like a you have the biggest megaphone anyway by being an MP. So you can you you have you have your voice. You don't need uh, to be. Well, you you are now the the culture spokesperson, or you are now the antisocial behaviour spokesman, or you are now the legal aid or the women's. You don't need that. You have your voice. So whatever works for you. If you want to climb climb the ladder, then of course we need good people to do that. But I don't think it's what the good for me. It wasn't the good bit about the job. So where you know this is being an MP is so crucial to helping the world, and you know as you saw it, where do you get that? You're still so young. Where are you going to get that <laughs> fulfilment from? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Singing, maybe that sounded a bit like it's quite a musical answer. Um, well, what do you want to do now? I don't know. I mean, I'm you know you talk and I, I did love being in the media. I did love broadcasting because that gives you a voice in other ways. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do now. LBC. It's, it's a lot of shouting there. I might need something less shouty. But, but you know, um, open to offer. <laughs> you know, I think the real, I mean, quite apart from, oh, and I have to say, uh, uh, this has been one of the best interviews um, I, I, I've done in ages. Oh, that's nice. Um, what a huge loss you are, not just to Labour, but to Parliament. But there are so few working class voices yeah. in politics at, 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 at anywhere near a top level. Yeah, there are. That's what I want to do. Whatever I do and hope, but I still want to use my voice to um, keep smashing the class ceiling. And actually, I wish I'd have just talked about that for nine years. There are not enough. I mean, I looked at the figures, right? I think it's like, is it 9% of Labour MPs are from manual backgrounds? Whoa. Nine. It's ridiculous. And you can't just speak for the working class. You have to speak from the working class yes. too. Um and it's a really big challenge. But, of course, in the media, there's no... You know, you get the same problem. No working-class voices there. And so I, w- I will continue to campaign on what I see as the biggest inequality in this country, and that is who your mum and dad were. Yeah, that's so still, true. So, still the case. Um, I asked yesterday on, on social media, we've been deluged with um, funny campaign stories. And, of course, the funny ones are always the ones where mistakes or, or tragedies have struck. Um I got this email from someone who was uh, campaigning during the Feltman Heston by-election. She said, I was knocking on this door and the window upstairs opened and a male voice asked me, asked me who I was. I started the usual patter and stepped back so I could see their face, only to be met with a pair of buttocks being rhythmically <laughs> squashed against the window. Realised <laughs> I'd interrupted them. I said, you're clearly busy, I'll go. No, it's all right, he said. Ask your questions. So to the sound of distant moans, I canvassed a guy who was having sex against the Oh, my God, window. really? Possibly the weirdest experience ever, but I got all oh, the I questions can't... answered and beat a hasty retreat. <laughs> I can't compete with that. Whoa! I mean, I did once... I was busting for a wee, as you are, you know, <laughs> often on the doorstep, and I met a labour boy, and I went, oh, you wouldn't let me come... Would you mind if I use your um, loo? And she was lovely. And then I smashed her soap dish while I was in the loo. It just fell out <laughs> And I gave her a fiver, which I think was quite generous. But um, she was very good about it. But I was just reading my local paper, the Chad, and um, oh, the Mansfield Chad. The... <laughs> yes. Oh no, it's a great paper. I used, you to, leave work, it... I used to have a Paddy Tippin, so that oh, was the, the Chad of the Dispatch. Know. Where, yeah, yeah, I they didn't were. Know you weren't for Paddy. Yeah. Well, you know our part of the world then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm from Nottingham, so I know the area quite yeah. well. Yeah. 
It's different. Nottinghamshire. No, oh, Nottingham is very <laughs> different. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so um, the Prime Minister came up last last um, last weekend. No, last last week. Um, he went to the hospital. Absolutely fine. No problem with that. But um, the local media, um, you know, the Chad, BBC Nottingham, uh, East Midlands Today. So they were told to get there at 8.30 or something. Then they were let, locked in a room for two and a half hours or something. And then, so the, the national media had the Prime Minister for all this time. And they were given four minutes and 20 seconds between all the local. So they were really, and they wrote about it and how furious they were. So um, Boris Johnson has... Um, obviously became aware that this was an issue and so gave an exclusive today in you know in yesterday's chat you will see an exclusive interview with the prime minister i've just tweeted his uh, today's gaffe where he says i'm looking forward to coming back to mansfield and ashfield in derbyshire soon no yes no go- <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, i know so mate you don't know what county that we're in and you want to take our seat. Oh, <laughs> so, um, my word. So you can give me a retweet for that, for coming on your show. I certainly will. It's the very least I could do. Gloria Depiero, thank you so much for coming in. Well, there you go. Gloria Depiero, what a fantastic guest. Uh, do email your stories of uh, electoral campaigning woe to politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. It doesn't matter whether it's this election. It doesn't matter if it happened to you. It could have happened to a friend. You could have heard these stories on the grapevine from campaign days of old because so many people don't do the campaigning stuff and don't realise how perilous and how hilarious it can be. So keep those coming in. Please do review the show on iTunes. It does help other people find it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends about it. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow.